Hello, everyone. Art Tomasetti back with you for this month's edition of the Flight Test Safety Podcast. It's April, which means we should have our umbrellas and our IFR flight plans ready, if you believe in those kinds of things. If we take a look back in aviation history for this week in April, we will find a couple of interesting things. In 1972, the launch of Apollo 16, which was the 10th manned Apollo mission and the fifth one to land on the moon. And in 1949, the first flight of the Lockheed YF-94 prototype. It took off from Van Nuys Airport in California with test pilot Tony LeVere and flight test engineer Glenn Fulkerson aboard. This aircraft was the first jet-powered all-weather interceptor in service with the United States Air Force and was the first production aircraft powered by an afterburning engine. And then going all the way back to 1912, American aviatrix Harriet Quinby flew across the England's Channel in a Blario 11 monoplane. She departed Dover at 5.30 a.m. and crossed a fog-shrouded channel to land at Pas de Calais one hour and nine minutes later. Her only instruments were a handheld compass and a watch. Wow. I sometimes feel I have become so reliant on GPS that I might not make it to the end of my driveway with a compass and a watch. Last month, we began a discussion with NASA pilots Wayne Ringelberg and Tim Williams about NASA's all-electric research aircraft, the X-57. If you haven't had a chance to listen to that episode, I encourage you to check it out. This month, we continue that discussion about the uniqueness and challenges of flight testing an electric aircraft and the preparations and considerations for first flight. You know, a lot of people, when they when we talk about flight testing vehicles, you know, we kind of pick up with first flight and it goes on from there and we describe all the stuff that happens. Uh, you're, you have first flight still a little bit out in the, in the future. But obviously, you're busy working on stuff. I remember in my time on X-35, uh, I joined the program almost three years before we flew the airplane. And every one of those days in that three years was busy doing something. So can you describe like what you're doing now in terms of you know risk mitigation kind of stuff and some of the things you're doing to develop your control room team, develop your engineering team, uh, develop you all as your pilot team in advance of that first flight? Yeah, that, that's a great question, Turbo. Uh, most of what Tim and and my participation has been lately has been in the simulation side. We, we have a pretty good simulator for the aircraft. Uh, obviously, you get engineers and simulators, they're going to get very focused on handling qualities and, and data plots and squiggles. Uh, that's going to be our main tool to ensure that we're ready when it comes to flight test execution. So we're going to run through procedures in there. So we're getting on, we're in the first stage of kind of developing how we're going to do all of that. Uh, we've done a fair amount of EP evaluation, at least tabletop wise, for how it's going to be different from the stock aircraft. And the piece that we're just getting into now is the whole, what you brought up, a test crew training. We're getting ready to start a ground test phase, on aircraft ground test phase, where we're kind of learn what we need to work better on when it comes to ground tests. So those are kind of the things I see right now that we're, we're getting hot and heavy into that are risk mitigation. Clearly we've been doing system safety working groups since the beginning of the, the project, you know, looking at designing out risk, what are the residual ones, what are the failure modes, all that sort of stuff has been ongoing. But the execution piece I think is what, what we're honing in on now and it's time for that given where we are. Okay, and Tim, how about you, your thoughts? Yeah. I, I totally agree with what Ringo is saying is uh, basically the simulator is where the pilots are really going to show you, hey, these are my concerns. And we actually tried pre-COVID, we did, did this quite a bit. We bring them into the simulator and show them what we're really talking about. 
because they, if you can see what the palate's doing, then you can go, oh, okay, I see what your concern is much, much better. And I could talk to you for hours, Some seems like. And one of the things that you'll, Turbo, when you look at the different modifications we have, when you put these big cruise motors, we say, on wingtips, you're going to go, uh, what happens if one of those just seizes? And you're going to, whoa, gee whiz, how big is the tail? Uh, are you going to be able to accommodate that? So we went through a series of simulations, worst case, where is it going to happen? What's going to happen to us? What can we do as a pilot to mitigate that? And to give you an idea how this is a team effort, one of the smart, very smart engineers uh, out at Langley, because this is multi-center, he came up with the idea to say, hey, I know there's buildup, but let me just ask you pilots, if you had, and you had to just take off with two motors, we use term motors, and one of them quit, you just have one motor. How about if you guys start right from the beginning, all these little motors on the leading edge, why don't we just take off with all of them running? And now you have, if one quits, you still have that many more that might be allow you to fly and control the airplane. That's a great idea. And I was like, why the heck didn't I think of that? But that's what you have engineers there. And that idea probably came out when he saw what we were doing in the sim. That's why it comes full circle. And so when we come back and we fly the airplane and we go, hey, this isn't quite like the simulator, just like any other test program, we'll bring it back to sim. We got to fix this because this is going to evolve. And that's how you, you come up with a really safe, safe project and meet all our objectives. So, you know, I, I got to tell you, you know, it's, it's, I think these are exciting times. We have so much going on in the world of, of aerospace, you know, commercial space stuff happening, electric airplane stuff happening. I, I think it's exciting. Maybe not quite like the 50s and 60s, but it's definitely exciting stuff and amazing technologies that are being developed. Just to, to wrap up, so any, any final thoughts you would offer? Uh, you know, we're, we have listeners that are just starting out in their flight test career. We have folks who've been in the flight test business for a while. Any final thoughts you offer from where, your perspective where you're sitting at the beginning stages of this particular program? I think there's kind of, I kind of have three things that I think are maybe applicable across the board. And I don't think these are going to be uh, epiphanies to anybody because they're all things that we relearn or we knew at one time and then learn again. Most of the folks who are where we are have been through a dedicated program to learn that test pilot school, that kind of stuff. So we, we all have a common base of understanding uh, for, for approaching these kinds of projects. And we all kind of know how to approach a test project. What, what we don't always know is, is how that's going to work on a particular particular project, because every project is going to have its similar, similarities to what you, you've done before or what you learned in test pilot school, and then its differences. And the key is going to be knowing what's similar and what's different. Like, what can I apply what I know, and that's going to keep me safe? And what, what do I not know, or what did, skills did I not learn, because it's something that's completely different. So figuring all that out, I think, is, is important. And, and, and we do learn that a little bit in test pilot school, because it's, it's kind of the concept of, you know, how do you approach a new test of something? So I think that's a, it's a key thing to remind yourself, certainly something that we're reminding ourselves right now. The second point would be a disciplined approach is key. There will be pressures from both schedule and money, and I'm sure this is at everything that any of us would do, even if it's our own test program on a program, on a company we own, we're going to have those pressures out there. And the key is making sure that we balance those and, and we, you know, we draw the lines where the lines need to be drawn, but not to where we can't get anything done. So that risk management piece 
is important. But we we as testers, as you know, actual physical flight testers are, the, are really the only ones that are going to bring that disciplined approach to a project. And and I, I've seen that. And you know, we've had a few presentations from some of these these new startups with electric this that and the other. And and it's been the testers bringing the disciplined approach is is what kept those things from becoming something not quite as uh, pleasant to watch at test at the SCTP. And then I think the last thing is proficiency is important. Make sure we remember that proficiency is important. Is, is the team really ready to start? Uh, you can get very focused on getting to the point of the plane being ready, the everything else being ready, and kind of forget or shortchange the whole test team preparation. So I think that's something that we need to really start focusing on now, and we are with this X57 program. But I think that's another thing that we need to make sure that as, as testers, we take that concept to our companies and agencies that we work at. Great, fantastic points. Uh, how about you, Tim, final thoughts? Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it follows the line that we've all heard, it's overused, failure is not an option uh, with this project. And that's ultimately what it's about. But failure is also, you characterize what Ringo just said, is we just give up on it. And that's, we're not gonna do that. There is already, we produced quite a bit. We've all, already learned quite a bit. And so a philosophy thing, the way I do it is, the discipline has to be there, the buildup has to be there. But the most important thing I, th I think is these engineers are what really do it for us. And to get them to think outside the box, which is what you have to do for this project, you have to give them a lot of rope. Now that said, I have to also tell them, hey, I can only give you so much. So I'm trying to not constrain these engineers to come up with ideas and do these things. But there, there are certain things I get really, we all do as pilots. I say, that's just, I, I, that's not going to be acceptable to me. And I just lay it out that way. That's the simplest thing that I can do to them is, here's a simple set of rules, just 10 rules, that's it. And don't violate those, everything else is there. Because if you don't give those, then that we had a previous uh, director of ops, uh, Dana Purifoy, would say, what about the unknown unknowns? And that's always the case. I didn't think of that. Oh my gosh, well, what, are you, what are you gonna pull out your pocket? What are you gonna do? So we gotta keep that in mind as pilots. And that's the thing I always think about. What's the unknown unknown? I'm gonna try to think as many as I can, but it's guaranteed I'm gonna miss one. And so part of this is a team expert. I mean, when Ringo's flying the airplane, single pilot, uh, I'll probably fly in a T-34 on his wing, watching everything. And when I'm flying, he's going to be in a T-34. I just have to train him in it. So it's, it's pretty easy. All right. Great. Well, gentlemen, again, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules to, uh, to do our podcast today. We look forward to hearing more about the X-57 as you move forward towards first flight. Thanks, Turbo. Thank you, I hope you enjoyed that interview. Truly cutting-edge stuff and really fascinating to watch everything that is happening today with battery technology and electric vehicles. Please check out the links in the podcast description if you would like to find out a little bit more about the X57 program. This month's On the Web Spotlight takes us to the SETP website, www.setp.org. If you go there and select Foundation from the top menu and then Education Outreach from the pull-down, you will find a PowerPoint presentation and video files for Flight Test 101. This SCTP Education Outreach Briefing is available for use to educate STEM-oriented students on the fundamentals of the flight test profession. The script was written for a target audience between U.S. 11th and 12th grade, 
So if you ever find yourself preparing to a talk to a group of students about flight tests, check out this resource. The flight test safety fact is off this month, but will return in May. And if you've missed any of the previous editions, you can always find them on our flight test safety committee website. For upcoming events, tomorrow, 16 April, is SETP's virtual symposium. This should be a great event and you can still register today. We will be providing a virtual flight test safety workshop on the 27th of May with the theme of safety promotion as part of a safety management system. And finally, EAA is soliciting presentations for Oshkosh 2021, which takes place 26 July through 1 August. You can find more details for all of these events on the organization's websites. Well, that'll close us out for this month. Thank you for listening. If you have a topic you'd like to hear about in a future podcast, please let us know. And if you like what you hear, share it with someone else. We'll be back next month. And until then, be safe, be smart, and be ready. The Flight Test Safety Podcast is sponsored by Time to Climb Training and Consulting. Motivate your team to succeed, accelerate towards your goals, and elevate to a higher level of performance on the web at www.time2climb.com.